Hello, and welcome back to the Iowa Type Theory Commute. We are just at the start of Chapter 8, talking about uh, termination checking in type theory. As we know from earlier discussions in the podcast, type theories are using the Curry-Howard isomorphism so that you can have some pure functional programs actually be viewed as logical proofs. Proofs of theorems, interestingly, proofs of theorems about other pure functional programs that you've written in the same language. So you have this really nice situation where the language you use for writing programs is also the same language you use for writing proofs about those programs. Pretty awesome. And But for this to work out correctly, we need to make sure that we can't write infinite loops. Because if just in regular programming, if you want to, if you write an infinite loop, you can easily write an infinitely looping program that then can inhabit any type you want, or that you can use to inhabit any type you want. For example, say you have some mystery type T, and you want to say, I want to write a program of type T. Well, you just write an infinitely looping program. Let's say it takes in an int, and it just immediately makes a recursive call to itself. And so now you have this function of type int to t that's just an, just a looping function. And if you call that with zero, you get something of type t. Or call it with any number, you get something of type t. So we need to prevent this because under the Curry-Howard isomorphism, our types are formulas, or at least some of the types we intend to think, we want to think of as formulas. And so you can't just have every old type be inhabited because that means every old formula is going to be provable and that's no good for logic. The logic has to make a distinction what's true and what's not true and it does this by what's provable and what's not provable. So we need to ensure termination and uh, in this chapter we're talking about, we talked last chapter, part, we, one of the things we talked about it was about normalization so kind of making sure that your um, a type theory guarantees that all the programs you write are going to terminate. And so you might say, well, what, are, what is there still to talk about? I thought we talked about normalization. Well, we did, but we talked about it, first of all, in kind of general terms. And second of all, for um, mostly the case, you know, we didn't really have a very specific case in mind. But for example, simply type lambda calculus or SysMF, which is a much more complicated situation, but still these are not yet sort of useful logical languages. You could say, okay, let's move to the calculus of constructions, which takes system F, that is polymorphic lambda calculus, and adds dependent types. Kind of woohoo, that should be it, right? Well, not really, because of this result, which was known to early workers on this topic and was proved by Huevers in the, I think, I forgot now, I think the paper is 2001, that you can't derive induction in the calculus of constructions. So you can, yes, you can sort of try to express some properties thanks to the use of the presence of dependent types, but you wouldn't be able to do any inductive reasoning. That's, that's, that's totally no good. Our most, our most basic tool for reasoning about pure functional programs is induction. So if you don't have that, you're not going to be able to do anything interesting. So that, and that's why, as I think I might have related some of the history last time, that's why people move to add inductive types, and we get the calculus of inductive constructions, which is, <laughs> the situation is complicated, but that's closer to the, the true heart and soul of a theorem prover like Koch um, than the calculus constructions. You know, Koch contains the calculus constructions because it contains the calculus of inductive constructions, and the, that's an extension of the calculus of constructions. So anyway... 
Um, but the point is, when, now when we add primitive inductive types, we have to try to ensure that the recursive functions we write on those inductive types are terminating. And the same problem comes up for strong functional programming, where we don't have dependent types, we're not trying to prove theorems within our language, but we still have the goal of ensuring termination of all the programs that we write, statically ensuring termination. And so, uh, so we need a termination checker and some kind of termination checker. And as I was saying last time, the traditional method for this is to look at your look at the syntactic form of the recursions that you're writing or that people are writing in your language and make sure that all the recursive calls are just on pattern variables. So, you know, if you take length, you say length is this recursive function, it takes in a list and it does pattern matching if the list is empty or turns zero. If the list is uh, a head constant to a tail, then it returns one plus length of tail. And that tail is a pattern variable. I mean, we could say, you know, say that that case is x constant to x's. Then that we are making a recursive call length of x's, and that's fine. We're doing recursion on a pattern variable, and that's totally allowed. And this function will be structurally terminating. That is, it's, it's going through this inductive structure, and that inductive structure, essentially these inductive types are infinite sets of finite objects. And so if you dig through the object, every time you make a recursive call, you kind of dig into it a little bit more and a little bit more. Eventually, you'll dig through the whole thing, and you'll be at the, your base case. So that's the sort of most basic beginning sort of approach to termination checking with recursion on inductive types. And this was the approach that was advocated initially by David Turner in his paper, Elementary Strong Functional Programming, which is sort of the inspiring call to arms uh, for fun strong functional programming. And uh, that, so we talked about this last time. I'm just reviewing it here for you now. And I wanted to sit, talk today for a little bit. Uh, I'm not commuting. I'm driving through our, you know, shut down city, much as you're probably listening to this in your shut down city or town. And uh, I need to get something from my office so I can use uh, to help me with my uh, virtual instruction that I'll be doing for the rest of the semester here. Uh, and anyway, so I wanted to talk about um, a very serious limitation with this problem, with this uh, approach. It seems like a perfectly sensible approach, and I, I'm not really here to criticize it. It's not a bad idea. I mean, it's a it's a natural idea, and it works. You know, it's sound. It is sound. It covers a lot of situations, so that's pretty good. But it falls quite short from what we really need. And one of the there's a bunch of reasons for this, but the first reason is it's not compositional. Now, what does that, what do I mean by that? Well, or, I, or another way you could say it is it's not, um, it, cannot, it doesn't work modulo abstraction. What, what does that mean either? What I mean is, suppose you have a recursive function like length, okay? And you, you for some reason, some piece of it, now length wouldn't be a great example because it's so tiny, there's almost nothing to abstract. But suppose you have a little bit bigger recursive function, and somewhere in there you decide, you know, this big chunk of code, maybe I've got a similar pattern in this part of my program and this other part. I'm going to abstract these out into some helper functions that, that will be shared, that several pieces of code will, will call. And the problem is, when you abstract out part of the body of your recursive call, you may 
make it, you may have a program that was passing your syntactic termination check. You know, you could just inspect the code and see, oh yes, we make recursive calls only on pattern variables. But now when you do some abstraction, that may not be the case anymore. You might not be able to check that anymore. So say you say, you 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 take a piece of your, your recursive function and you rip it out and it has some recursive calls in there. And so now you say, well, I've got this helper function. I'm going to pass in the, the, fu the function to use to make recursive calls and I'm going to pass in some of the sub data and then it'll do some logic and you know do this or that or the other thing and then eventually it may make a recursive call. That's totally not going to fly from the point of view of the syntactic check. The syntactic check says look, for, it's very simple minded, find your recursive functions. You imagine writing this as some traversal of the abstract syntax tree for your program. You know, so think about it from the point of view of implementing the type theory. It's like find a recursive function. Okay, cool. Go in there, find the pattern variables. Got them. Find the recursive calls. Are they on pattern variables or not? And, and that's, and by the way, those are the only places you're allowed to use that recursive function. You know, you can, uh, you, all you can do with the, the, the inside the body of the recursive function, the only thing you can do is make recursive calls on pattern variables. So again, if you wanted to pass that recursive function somewhere else, like imagine you're doing some higher order programming and using some combinators, like a list combinator. Maybe you want to do a map or something like that, like map the recursively defined function over something inside the body of the recursion. That's going to totally screw up the syntactic uh, termination check. You can't do that. And so that's when I say it's not compositional. We can't decompose our program in arbitrary type correct ways and still have the termination check be satisfied. You know, we, we start with a program that passes the structural termination check and we do an abstraction step like this and all of a sudden we have one that doesn't pass the structural termination check anymore. That's not bad. That's not good, right? I mean, that's basically the ability to form these kind of type correct abstractions is an essential tool for writing good statically typed functional code. And so we can't just be kind of, oh, sorry, you can't do that here because it might mess up our structural termination check. I mean, I mean, in fact, that is kind of the state of the art. I mean, the termination checkers of Kalk and Agda are fancier versions of what I was describing, but they're still using essentially the same idea. And so it's easy to come up, and it's actually, it takes a little work to get Kalk to be flustered by this kind of abstraction, like you do some simple abstractions and Kalk can still figure out what's, go what's going on and it'll say, yeah, um, I still see that that's structurally terminating, but do just a little trickier bits of bits and bobs of this. Like the one I, I used this recently for, for Kalk was something like, just apply an identity function, just compose an identity function a bunch of times, um, like an, an unbounded number of times um, and you know put that around your pattern variable and make a recursive call on that. You know, the stuff like that totally screws up Kalk and it can't deal with it. So um, it's a real limitation and it means you can't really perform abstraction in general with this kind of termination check. And that's why we should, and I say we, meaning, <laughs> the, the, I mean, what, what can I say? The farsighted few? I don't want to pat myself on the back too much, but I mean, others have thought of this too, but not that many. I mean, most people are kind of just continuing along uh, with this sort of structural check um, you know, there, there are, again, there are some ex exceptions, but this is a really glaring problem and it should be addressed. And we, in Sedil land here, we have solutions to this problem and others have too. And so um, in subsequent episodes, I'd like to talk about some of those solutions. So for now, I've sort of posed the problem, you know, how do we do a termination check on a recursive function in such a way that we can 
decompose the function, we can break out helper functions and things like that, and this termination check will still pass. Like if it passed before, I should be able to do an arbitrary type correct decomposition of my program and it should still pass. And that's definitely not the case with this kind of syntactic check that we were talking about. All right. Uh, I hope you're doing okay in the insane pandemic situation here in the United States. We're just at the baby beginning of the exponential curve. Thank goodness our governor here in the state of Iowa has followed the lead of governors in um, states that are further along the curve and has closed pretty much everything. So, um, and let's hope that that can help flatten these things out. And I hope you're safe wherever you are. Please do social distancing. Try to lock yourself down as much as you can. Not just for your own benefit, but so that you are not a point on the network to somebody else who might be more vulnerable than you. Okay, take care. And I'll be back again. My episode rate is going to be a little bit less now because I got other stuff I got to deal with, um, with uh, doing virtual class and all that sort of thing. But I'm going to try to keep releasing them every few days. So thanks for listening.